We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandak, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. All right, welcome into another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck. We have no DY today, a little bit under the weather, but uh, that's okay because we've got Gary Parrish with us, CBS Sports analyst and columnist. You know him from a lot of places, the Ion College Basketball Podcast, a tremendous pod that you should uh, all check out now. And I'd imagine the uh, the listenership numbers are up in K-State circles this year with, uh, with how the Cats are playing right now, ranked number five in the AP poll that just came out today. But uh, Gary, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. I know uh, Cole and I have been big fans for a while. Certainly Derek has uh, as well. Really respect your work. And, man, talking a lot of K-State these days, which we were just joking with you about, uh, not something I'm sure you anticipated going into this year. But, man, h- how do you sum up just how impressive the job is that Jerome Tang has done to get to this point where he's taking up airtime on your podcast here in January? Well, to put it in the simplest of terms, if we had to vote for National Coach of the Year today – I don't think there is a great alternative to a first place ballot uh, for Jerome Tang. I could make cases if you told me to for other guys, but I don't think there's any doubt when you factor in everything. Uh, The most important thing being that uh, he's a first time head coach whose team was picked to finish last in the big 12. And now he's sitting here with a team that I think should be ranked in the top three in the country, a team that, if I had to put a bracket together today, would be a number one seed uh, in the NCAA tournament, a team that is on track to to win a Big 12 title. It's absolutely amazing. And it's uh, probably my favorite thing about this sport is that, you know, we, we do multiple podcasts a week during the offseason. And you're constantly talking about things you think are going to matter in the upcoming season, whether it's players or teams or conferences or some combination of everything. And I'm not certain of this, but I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that it's possible the entire offseason, other than maybe a mention of Jerome Tang's the new coach at Kansas State or Keontae Johnson is going to transfer to Kansas State, other than something like that, just a passing comment. I don't know that we had any sort of actual conversation 
about, about KSU. Because why would you? It's a program coming off of a bad season that was expected to have another bad season. Uh, the, the, the most high-profile transfer they enrolled is somebody who hadn't played in basically two years. And yet you factor in all of that and consider where KSU is right now. It really is remarkable. You know, uh, we've spent so much time talking about them that I, I'm almost hesitant um, sometimes. Like, okay, this KSU thing is still going strong. Do we really need to open another podcast with it? You know, does it really deserve its own segment? Because we are talking to a nation of fans as opposed to just Kansas State fans. But I don't run away from stories when when they're hitting you right in the face. And this this thing that's happening at Kansas State right now is absolutely terrific. It's it's not only the best story in college basketball; it is personally my favorite. You you've been covering the sport a long time, Gary. Have you have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, three straight losing seasons for Kansas State, replacing eleven guys on the roster, new coaching staff. Uh, it seems like such a unique story. Well, you know, we had I guess something similar last year with Iowa State. You know, they were terrible, as you guys know, the year before and, you know, could barely win any games. I want to say went winless in the Big 12, maybe. And then TJ Otzelberger remakes the roster overnight and they got off to a nice start, finished strong. They sort of struggled in the league, but Iowa State went from horrifically bad to relevant and respectable uh, based on the offseason work that TJ did. So I I guess that's uh, something kind of close, but. And I apologize because I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. You know more about it than I do. But when I'm trying to talk about it to somebody who maybe doesn't follow Kansas State, you try to say, okay, first and foremost, program, like you said, been losing more than winning and was picked by everybody to finish last. And I mean everybody. The Big 12 coaches uh, at CBSSports.com, it was me and uh, Jerry Palm and Matt Norlander and uh, David Cobb and Kyle Boone. We all had to turn in Big 12 ballots. We had different ones at the top, different ones in the middle. We all had the same bottom. It was Kansas State. So that's what you're starting with. The new head coach is a first-time head coach, 56 years old. You know, I don't think it's entirely accurate to say Jerome Tang had to wait till he was 56 years old to become a head coach because he could have taken a lower-level job or a mid-major job here or there. But it is true that he didn't become a Division I head coach until he was 56 years old. Um, the best player on the team right now is a guy who – collapsed on the court a couple of years ago the early things I heard about that were really bad really scary I I, I was actually surprised the first time I heard Keontae Johnson might be okay because everything I'd heard before that was not encouraging and that's just you know sometimes you get bad information what I didn't I never went with it publicly because I wasn't comfortable doing that but privately the things I were hearing were not good initial um reaction to what had happened so i wasn't sure he was going to live much less ever play college basketball again and it got to a point at florida where it looked like he was never going to play college basketball again but he was able to get cleared and even then it was like okay but but what's he gonna be like you know he hadn't played in two years you know he does have a condition that um has caused problems it was just like okay i know kendrick davis is transferring to memphis he's gonna be real good I know Jedi Broom is transferring to Auburn. He's going to be really good. I know Keontae Johnson is transferred to Kansas State. I don't have any idea what he's going to be. Not only is he good, he's arguably better than he was when he played at Florida. And when he played at Florida, he was so good that he was the preseason SEC player of the year heading into the 2020-21 season. So that's incredible. Uh, Marquise Noel has gone from a productive player on a bad team to a super productive player on a great team. I don't know who saw that coming. 
Um, but the, the point I've tried to make in recent weeks, even before Kansas State sort of took off, but, but they had all these wins and then they got the West Virginia win. The point I made on the podcast is, okay, I understand completely why everybody picked them last in the Big 12 on paper in the preseason, but if you go back to it now and take a fresh look, if I told you, if I told you in the offseason Keontae Johnson is going to be better than he's ever been, well, that probably changes your opinion on what Kansas State's going to be. If I told you Marcus Noel is going to go from being a productive player on a bad team to one of the best point guards in the country, probably changes the way you think about Kansas State. And then the third leading score um, – is a, a, a junior college All-American, and the fourth leading scorer started for an Elite Eight team at Arkansas. That's why even before Kansas State beat Kansas, even before Kansas State went on the road and beat Texas and Baylor, I was saying that I don't think this is fluky because when you look at the roster, those are real players. Kante Johnson's a real player. We didn't know what he'd be, but now we know what he is. He's a real player. Noel's a real player. Tomlin's a real player. Sills is a real player. They've got real talent. Jerome's done an amazing job. Um, getting them to to become a cohesive and 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 high level team, and I don't think this is going to be one of those deals where it starts to go the wrong way in late January or early February or at any point they're going to take losses because everybody in the Big Twelve is going to take losses. But I th I I think this is a legitimate Final Four contender, and there's really nothing other than injuries that can happen between now and Selection Sunday that will make me move off of that. Which is crazy because I'll be honest. I mean, to me, as the the fan in me keeps thinking like this is too good to be true, right? Like the the other shoe has to drop at some point, but they continue to win games and and having it reinforced uh, by somebody as respected in the college hoops world as you certainly makes me feel better about it. I I think the the thing that I wonder and a lot of people wonder now. You said it like Jerome Tang could have taken lower level jobs, and I'd be curious if you know of of jobs that did have interest in him before he actually took this opportunity here at K State, but. If he was this good, this fast, and had been around the league, I mean, there have been jobs open. Iowa State obviously got a great coach, you know, but Texas Tech just had an opening recently. Like, how how did somebody at the at the Power Five level, Power Six level, not hire him sooner? Like, what what was it that people were hesitant about with him? I could give you a whole bunch of answers, or I could just give you the the one that would be widely accepted as true within the industry, and unfortunately, it is skin color. Um, too often. Uh, African-American assistants get labeled as recruiters as opposed to coaches uh, to get labeled as player getters instead of coaches. And I do not think it's a coincidence that, you know, there were multiple Scott Drew assistants who got head coaching opportunities that they deemed worthy of taking before Jerome reached, um, reached that point. And I hope that this is the latest lesson there for for our sport that when you look at the the makeup of the rosters in division one basketball um and, and then look at the number of head coaches who look like the players they are coaching it, it's out of whack the ratio doesn't work and this is a problem not just in college basketball it's a problem in college football it's a problem in the nfl it's a problem everywhere um, so I am always like really enthusiastic when a longtime assistant of color gets an opportunity like this, not just a job because to you, you know, like I said, and I don't want to get into the specifics because I don't want to say ah, Jerome Tang wouldn't take your job, but there, there are jobs that, that, 
that were offered to Jerome at the low le major level and the mid major level that he just decided I'm going to wait for for something better. Um, so, you, you know, it, it is not true that nobody ever tried to hire this guy, but no good job ever tried to hire this guy. Let's put it that way. Uh, until he was at Baylor for 20 years, until he had helped not only build, but then, you know, a, a team that could win a national championship, but then play a role in, in, in helping it actually win that national championship. You talk to Scott Drew, he'll tell you Jerome Tang was a big part of everything uh, that happened with this incredible Baylor rebuild. So it's shameful that it, it took this long for a job like this to turn its attention to Jerome. And frankly, um, if, if he were, and I'm just being honest here, if he were white, I don't think it would have taken this long. Uh, that, that is what every data point about the sport and, and coaching, hiring, and firing tells us. But what I hope is that um, the, the next athletic director at a Power 5 level school who needs a coach um, takes a look at what has happened at Kansas State and recognizes, you know, I, I don't have to hire somebody who's had head coaching experience. I don't have to hire somebody who has, you know, been in this league for X amount of years. Like, uh, this is a point I made on a recent podcast because we were talking about maybe the Texas job open you know, being open and some other, uh, you know, high profile jobs. And I, I threw out a candidate there and somebody said, well, you can't hire somebody with, without head coaching experience for a job like that. And I said, well, Arizona hired somebody with no head coaching experience. That's Arizona. And they did it. And it seems to be going brilliantly. And Kansas State hired somebody uh, with no head coaching experience. And, and I know Arizona historically is at a different place uh, than Kansas State is in the sport of men's basketball. But either way, the point's the same. I, I've for a long time believed guys either have it or they don't. You know, guys are either built to be head coaches, run programs, or they're not. And the ones who are built for it, they can do it right from the jump. Just give them the opportunity, and and they'll take it and run with it. You know, Brad Underwood was an assistant coach for a long time until he became a head coach, and now he's a successful head coach. And so, what, what I hope is that athletic directors are watching what's happening in Manhattan right now and, and, and maybe widening the list of candidates they, they'll consider for their job because, uh, you know, what Jerome ha has done at K KSU so far has been absolutely off the charts. There isn't a program in the country who could get the early returns Kansas State is getting and it wouldn't be absolutely thrilled with it. Well, on that subject, Gary, I mean – Texas job, you mentioned it, opened a few weeks ago. There's been a lot of talk amongst the K-State community. Can they hang on to Jerome Tang long-term? My message to the fans is, well, first of all, I think he's a loyal guy, and I think he'll stay. Uh, I don't think he's going to bolt after one year. That's my opinion. But also my message is just enjoy the ride. You know, this is a good thing ultimately for Kansas State. If it's one year, you know, that's a bummer, but it's a fun year. What do you think? Can K-State keep Jerome Tang long-term? Well, I, first, I would echo your main sentiment, which is enjoy what's happening right now and don't stress about things that probably won't happen. Um, you know, and that's that's a lesson in life that we should all probably subscribe to, regardless of how it involves college basketball coaches. Like when things are going well, don't worry about when one day they're not going to go well, uh, you know, not to get morbid or but like. You know, one day, if we're lucky enough to grow old, we're probably going to end up in a hospital and not doing so well before we ultimately move on. Like, if you spend every day thinking about that, it kind of messes up the good day you're having otherwise. So, you know, if I were a Kansas State fan, I would just be thrilled that you have a coach who has turned your program around 
so dramatically that it is reasonable for somebody to wonder if Texas might want to try to hire him at the end of the season. That is an amazing place to be, especially considering where you were. And then beyond that, what I would say is, listen, if this thing holds together the way I think it's going to, Texas would be crazy not to consider Jerome Tang. He's flourishing as a head coach. He's worked in the league and the state of Texas for 20 years. Um, if he's not on your list of people you're interested in, then you're not doing your job well. But what happens every year with these types of jobs, like the big, big ones that open, is that you get these lists of candidates. And they're all, like, for the most part, notable names. It's it's Eric Musselman at Arkansas and Nate Oates at Alabama and Jerome Tang at Kansas State and Dennis Gates at Missouri and so on and so forth. And every fan base is like, oh, no, are we going to lose our cut? Only one guy can take the job. Only one. Can't, can't hire seven people. And I, I, my guess would be if you looked at the amount of stress that goes into fan bases worried about losing their coach compared to how often it actually happens, like that, that, that is way out of balance as well. Perhaps I, uh, put it better this way. I, I think you guys know live in Memphis. I'm a Memphis grad. Before I was at CBS, I was the Memphis beat writer. And I covered John Calipari's teams. Um, I was for most of the bad years before it really took off. Literally every year John was at Memphis, his name was connected to some job or the NBA. And Memphis fans constantly worried about, oh, he's going to leave us. He's going to leave us. Every year. Ah, yeah, but this is the last year. He's going to leave us. He was there nine years. I mean, he finally left when the Kentucky job came his way. But up until then, he turned down South Carolina, turned down Arkansas, turned down countless jobs. Um, and, and, and Memphis fans spent nine years worrying about when he was going to leave instead of just enjoying nine years that he was there. So I would focus on enjoying, you know, a, a, a game against Iowa State, a home game against Florida and the rest of the schedule and not worry about something that probably won't even materialize to begin with. If you do want to take that hypothetical all the way to the end, Rodney Terry, you know, goes to the NCAA tournament. They lose in the second round. Texas says, we're going to open this up and try to hire the best coach we can hire, regardless of anything else. And they do actually prioritize Jerome. And they do offer him the job. I think if Jerome Tang were a Baylor assistant and he got offered the Kansas State job and the Texas job, just speaking candidly here, you know, as respectfully as I can speak, you take the Texas job over the Kansas State job every day of the week, right? But once you're at Kansas State, you know, you just moved your family there, you know, do you want to move again so quickly? Um, do, 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 you, do you leave well enough alone and say, I don't have to take the bigger job. I've just proven I can have a one-seat caliber team in, at Kansas State. And, uh, you know, that, that Texas thing hasn't, gone so well for anybody since Rick Barnes left and even though like Rick Barnes almost never missed the NCAA tournament eventually they got tired of him so maybe I should just leave well enough and stay here my point being I think most people choosing between Texas and Kansas State would take Texas I, I'm not sure the Kansas State coach who's only been there a year would absolutely 100% leave for Texas if Texas wanted him so that's another Thing. Bottom line, I, I think Jerome Tang is going to be the coach at Kansas State next season and, and for, for, for many seasons to come. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Well, we love that. We love that a lot, uh, Gary. Thank you very much for that. I was I was also hoping this was going to be the spot where you leaked in, hey, you know, Coach Cal to Texas. That's obviously what's what's going to happen here. I I, I I I think the most likely scenario is that Rodney Terry is the coach of Texas next year. I think he's going to do well enough with his team to, to keep the job. People like him. He knows the state. It's the easiest thing to do. I, I don't know long-term if it'd be the best thing to do. Sometimes the interim coach has some success and you feel like you got to hire that guy. And then you look up two years later and you go, I wonder if that was a mistake. It, it feels like what's going on at Wichita State right now. Um, so I, I'm not sure that the best thing to do would be hire Rodney, but I do think it's the most likely thing. If, if for whatever reason, Rodney doesn't get the job, I, I'd be shocked if they weren't interested in Jerome Tang. I'd be shocked if they didn't make a phone call on John Calipari, Nate Oates, Eric Musselman, all the names you've heard uh, everywhere else. And somebody good will take that job because they have unlimited resources, brand new on-campus arena, big, powerful state university, incredible natural recruiting base, tons of talent in the state. You know, you talk to college basketball coaches, they will tell you Texas is not a top 10 college basketball program, but Texas is a top 10 job Um, in part because of how much they care about football. Because if you lose a non-league game in November, nobody's freaking out because they're still worried about who's going to be the you know starting quarterback for the Longhorns. So it's a really good job. I think they'll hire a really good guy. And if I were John Calipari, given 
where the temperature at is at at Kentucky right now, I would at least be trying to tell Texas, if you're interested in me, um, I'm interested in you, and I'll bring this entire top-ranked recruiting class with me. John, you know th- this is true for as long as I've been covering the sport. Once you get on the hot seat with your fans, once they turn on you, you can hold them off with success, but you never really win them completely back over. And so, you know, John might turn this season around, but the next time it gets bad for him, it's, it's, it's really bad, as the recent weeks have shown. And it'd be in his best interest, and I would argue in Kentucky's best interest as well, if they could split up. And the most obvious way for them to split up is, is for Texas to be interested and for John to, to do what he has to do to, to make that exit. But um, if I were predicting... Uh, just like I think Jerome Tang is going to be the head coach at Kansas State next year, I think John Calipari is probably going to be the head coach at Kentucky next year as well. Gary, what did you uh, what did you make of Jerome Tang's speech when he stood up on the uh, the press row at the Kansas game? And uh, first of all, I'd never seen that before, right. and I love the message as well. What what did you make of it? I loved it. Um, you know, not every coach would have done that. Um, I'm sure some coaches roll their eyes at it. Um, I I don't. I will never begrudge somebody for you know putting every ounce of energy and enthusiasm they have into something uh, imagine what it must feel like uh, you know because none of us will ever be in these shoes but imagine what it must feel like to get hired as an assistant coach by a very young and inexperienced scott drew <clears throat> 20 years ago to try to turn around a baylor program that is coming off arguably if not inarguably the worst scandal in college athletics history i mean a player literally murdered another player and now you've got to start from there one year you don't even get to play a non-league schedule i mean it is as bad as it gets at the power conference level not to mention you're taking over a program that you know has basically no history either like at least when kentucky is riddled with scandal it's like okay i'm taking over scandal riddled uh, kentucky or indiana well, yeah, but you've got something to build on there. It's Indiana. It's Kentucky. At Baylor, it's nothing. So you take that over. You know, you get hired. Scott hires you. You guys start from nothing. You build it first into something respectable. Well, first it's bad. and But then it's something respectable. And then it's something, you know, that is competing for national championships every year. You watch one of your fellow assistants get a job. Another of your fellow assistants get a job. You're starting to wonder, well, like, why ain't I getting – but why, like, why, hey, like, I love Grant McCaslin, but why'd they call him instead of me? Um, and like we talked about, there's at least one obvious thing there. So you wait it out and you wait it out. Now you're in your mid 50s. Like, most of us, whatever we were going to become, we do it by, I don't know, like I was at CBS, uh, 29 years old. You know, like, most of us don't have to wait till our mid 50s to become what we're going to become. But Jerome did. He had to wait. Be patient. And I'm sure, I don't want to speak for him, that frustration's in there somewhere, disappointment's in there somewhere, resentment's in there somewhere. He's a positive guy, but I don't care how positive you are. That's got to creep in somewhere along the way. And then you get this chance. And everybody says, maybe it'll be good someday, but not not now. It's going to take a minute. And you're like, well, maybe not. Let's see. And then incredibly, you get off to a 17-2 and two start. You wake up on January 23rd. And Kansas is looking up at you in the Big 12 standings. And so is everybody else. Like, amazing. Imagine what that must feel like. And for him to, in his first meeting with 
the big in-state rival, the Hall of Fame coach, the guy who I believe is the best coach in college basketball, and I know that's not something you should probably say on the Kansas State podcast, but I do think Bill Self's the best coach in college basketball. You get your first shot at him, and you do it. You do it. You do it in dramatic fashion. With a game-winning alley-oop, what? And you look around, and this building that hadn't been full is suddenly full. This court that hadn't been stormed is stormed. And all of that, everything I just described, um, you know, that's inside of you. And he decided to address the crowd, and I thought his words were perfect, and I just love to see. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Jerome Tang, first and foremost, but um, I'm also a fan of people uh, celebrating achievements. Not, you know, you don't have to be so cool that you can't say, man, this is awesome, and I'm loving this. And, I, and, and I, he would never put it all on him, like, look at what I did. That might be some, something I would do, like look up and go, look at what I've done. He just tried to bring everybody into it and, and make everybody feel like they're a part of, of this thing. Because Bruce Pearl told me this a long time ago. There were stories about him at Tennessee, like painting his chest and, and, and you know, being at a Lady Vols game. Or you know, Bruce would literally go into the cafeteria on campus, stand on tables and talk to students. And then people are like, what is Bruce Pearl standing on a table for? What is Bruce Pearl going to Lady Vols games for and painting his chest on? Because he was trying to create people who were as enthusiastic, um, who, who could become enth- enthusiastic about him and by extension, his basketball program. Like, let people feel like they know me. Like, yeah, I saw Bruce Pearl at the cafeteria the other day. I saw Bruce Pearl at the Lady Vols game the other day. Like, get people feeling like they care about you and then they can care about what you're doing. And it feels like Jerome has, has, has done a really good job of doing that. I, I bet there are Kansas State fans right now who look at their basketball coach and they say, yeah, he's awesome, doing an awesome job, but also say, I think I like that guy. Like, I, I, that guy seems to care as much about Kansas State as I care about Kansas State. Like, that guy seems to... Uh, really have a, a rock solid message that I can get behind. I, I think he's that 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 scene after the Kansas game wasn't the only example of that, but it was the biggest, most high profile example of it. And I absolutely loved it. I don't think it's something you can do after every game. Um, maybe not any more times this season, but in that moment, it it felt appropriate. Um, there were a plenty of people as Kansas State started to get attention after one big win after another that assumed like okay but yeah well here comes kansas and we know how this goes and for you to 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 slap that back down for lack of a better phrase i can understand how the the emotion might get the best of you and i thought he channeled it in a in a really just perfect way yeah i think to speak to what you're saying here i'm going to do the most professional job i possibly can of uh letting everyone know i forgot to do our sponsor read at the beginning i would say that a lot of K-State fans out there would love to share a glass of 360 vodka or Ben Holiday <laughs> bottled and bond bourbon uh, with Jerome Tang, of course, brought to you by Holiday Distillery, a great K-State folks who, who sponsor our pod here. So didn't forget about you this time, Holiday. Uh, we had that Adrian Martinez interview go viral uh, without a, a sponsor mention. So learning from no. my mistakes at, uh, at some point here. Uh, but no, to, to your point, it's totally true. And the fact that he's been able to I mean, Cole, we were there at the game on, on Saturday against Tech. Bring Sandstorm back without the FKU chant, I mean, is I, unbelievable. I would have told you that would have taken a decade for somebody to 
to roll that thing back. And he's been able and, to. Yeah. And, and on that, because I know, or at least I gather, you guys tell me, you'll know better than I. How do Kansas State fans respond to that? That specifically, you don't have to hate Kansas, just love us. I, 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 my assumption is that that one didn't go over with 100% of the fan base. No, and I mean, to be honest, even even myself, I'm, I'm fully bought in now. But when I first heard it, especially with the rent-free comment, yeah. you bristle a little bit because you're like, man, you just gave them a clip that we're going to be seeing for a yeah. decade on Twitter, right? But I, I, I get it now. It was like after the Kansas game and after his speech after the game, it was like, I get it. Like, you're, you're trying to build a national championship program here. You want to be respected as a coach and as a program, and you don't do that by being the school that's known for just – taking cheap shots at your rival all the time, good as they may be. And I'm like, look, you, you, you've you done it. You've opened my eyes. I see it. I get it. Something that's been ingrained in me since I was born to hate Kansas. Uh, I can come around to that now and understand we got to be above the fray, so to speak there. So I think a lot of people have kind of gone through that same journey. I, Cole, I don't want to speak for yeah, you, but it seemed like there was some, some, some of that going on with everything. Let, let me give you an example, Gary, of the influence and pull Jerome Tang has. John and I, like we, we like to troll KU on Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, on occasion. And, you know, Saturday they lose to, by 23 to TCU, as you know. And usually that's a time that we send out some sort of tweet to uh, have a little fun with KU. Like, for example, I was going to tweet – I'm not surprised that KU had a letdown game after their Super Bowl against Kansas State. Because <laughs> right. that really, you know, they always say it's K-State Super Bowl. But I thought to myself, and John actually had a similar thought, uh, you know, Jerome Tang would not like this. Yeah. And I and so <laughs> I'm all the time, by the way. I, so I know he might see it. Yeah, we know he might see it. So I did not hit send. John didn't hit send. Like that's the type of poll just in just in this amount of time that he has had on us. You that, know, that's interesting. Um, and I, I imagine you guys aren't unique in that way, that he's probably reached some other Kansas State fans um, as well. From from my perspective as an outsider, I, I like that because I that message falls more in line with the way I approach life. Like I don't spend a lot of time um, worrying about people at ESPN or uh, people at Fox or people like these people are largely my friends, not entirely my friends. But most of the people who cover college basketball for a living on a national level are are either people I'm friends with or have been friendly with. And even the ones that maybe I don't have the best relationships with or, or just no relationships at all, because, you know, these days I I don't travel to games as nearly as much as I used to. You know, when I got this job in 2006, I was just a writer. I, I, and so I traveled the games. I'd go to Manhattan, Kansas. I'd go to Lawrence, Kansas. I'd go all over the country. Now I'm more of a television person, podcast host. So I'm just back and forth to New York a lot. Like I go to games in November and then sometimes unless I'm doing sideline, not at all. So um, I'm just in New York every week, back and forth, back and forth. And so I don't, my point is I don't go out. I'm not with these people as much as I used to be with these people. Like there'd be a big Kansas, Texas game. There'd be six of us there from Fox, ESPN, CBS, every, and you'd all get together. I don't do that anymore. So I, there's some people maybe I, I don't know as well. Here's my point. I don't spend a lot of time like worrying or, or about other people or hating other people or wishing um, anything but success. Like I, I'm happy for other people when they are successful. It doesn't make me feel less of anything when I see other people flourish. I'm doing just fine. I, you know, I'm happy for everybody else to do as well as they can do. And so what Jerome is saying, like just just being because. You try to apply it to your own personal life. It's like, hey, just worry about you. 
be the best version of you you can be and don't worry about hating this person who might have more than you or might have accomplished something just like focus on you and and let, let's keep it in between those lines so in that way those perspectives kind of line up i couldn't help when he was tooling that but think about something that happened in my home state over the past few years while lane kiffin was the head coach at Ole miss and mike leach and the late mike leach now uh the head coach at mississippi state mississippi state and Ole miss fans hate each other I imagine it's not much different than Kansas State, Kansas, or Ohio State, Michigan, or Auburn, Alabama. We could rank these rivalries, but Ole Miss, Mississippi State's on there. And the fans hate each other. The schools hate each other. In previous times, the head coaches like, wouldn't even acknowledge each other, didn't like each other. And Lane Kiffin was just like, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we want to beat Mississippi State every time we play him, but like, Mississippi State's a good school. And Mike Leach is the best offensive coach in the country. Like, I love Mike Leach. Like, why do I have to hate Mississippi State just because it's our rival? Like, can't we both do well? You know, and like, yeah, yes, I want to beat them every time we play, but I, I just I want to do well, and, it, and then whatever happens with them happens with them, but I'm not going to spend my energy. I'm going to spend my energy wishing good things for me, not wishing bad things for them. And that really resonated in the state. Not every Ole Miss fan or Mississippi State fan subscribed to it, but it certainly cooled the, the temperatures a little bit. And just showed a sort of a mature level of respect between the two head football coaches. And then after Mike tragically passed, like Ole Miss even had like Mississippi State Mike Leach stuff on their bowl game uniforms. Like Ole Miss putting Mississippi State on its uniform to honor the Mississippi State coach. Like that's unheard of 10 years ago. But because those two guys fundamentally said, let's 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 root for us, not against them. More or less the same message Jerome was 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 delivering. It, it changed the way um, those fan bases interact with each other, at least to some degree. So I really appreciate it when Lane and Mike were able to operate that way. And I, I, I like the idea that Jerome has right from the jump said, you know, we don't have to hate Kansas to love Kansas State. Like those two emotions don't have to go hand in hand. Uh, I think he's right. Um, and I, I, I like that he said it, but I knew when he said it that, he'd have to win some people over with that one. You know, I don't think you have to win people over with a lot of the stuff he says. I knew that one he might, but it's nice to hear that he has won some people over. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think, I think right now everybody is, is pulling in the same direction. Absolutely. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
as far as that goes, he, he wants to build a national championship program. He said at his introductory press conference that drew rave reviews that he came here to win a national championship. Uh, I would assume that you're on board with this, having K-State at number three in the country right now, but I, is this a place where he can win a national championship if he sticks around for a while? Any place in a power conference with the one-time transfer waiver and name, image, and likeness possibilities available can win a national championship. Like, like the, the, obviously, historically, it, it's it's a difficult place to win a national championship. But he won one at Baylor. Uh, you know, he was a part of a win one at Baylor. Uh, trust me, if it, it was much more reasonable to say you can win a national championship at Kansas State on the day you take the job than it was we can win a national championship at Baylor on the day you take a job. So I don't rule out anything. Um, listen, there are programs that have inherent advantages over others. Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, uh, Kansas, frankly. Um, you know, they, they have the, the, all the infrastructure in place to compete at the highest levels of the sport. They've been doing it forever. And as long as any program like that has a competent coach in place, they will continue to do it forever. Uh, but a great coach is a great coach wherever he's at. You know, Virginia isn't the type of place you think you can win a national championship up until you hire a guy who's capable of doing it in Tony Bennett. And now Virginia, you know, more often than not, can be a national championship contender in the same league as as Duke and North Carolina and Syracuse and big brands like that. So would I predict a national championship? I mean, I'll just play the law of averages. Most coaches never get one. Most schools never get one. I guess I'd say no. Right. If I had to bet my 401k on it. But is it possible? Of course, it's possible. And I'll take it a step further. It's possible this season. I'm not picking them. You know, despite what happened over the weekend with Temple, I'll still pick Houston to win the national championship. But I do have Kansas State ranked third. And that's not because I just decided, uh, you know, I I wanted to make my buddy Brent Stover, who's a Kansas State alum, happy or uh, because I really wanted to help Jerome Tang win a national coach of the year award. I, I think they have a top five resume in the country. You know, when you are in first place in the toughest league in the country, um, you know, where I have KSU ranked is about where you ought to be ranked. When you're sitting at 17 and through two through 19 games, um, you know, with the type of wins they've got on their resume, Texas, Kansas, Baylor, West Virginia, um, they, they deserve everything they're getting right now. And, and, and like I said, on a surface level, the team picked last in the Big 12 is in first place in the Big 12. How did that happen? Sounds fluky. I don't think this is fluky. I think Keontae Johnson is one of the best players in the country. I think Marcus Noel and Keontae Johnson are arguably the best duo in the country. And then you round out the roster, like the top of the rotation, with a Juco All-American, a guy who's already started for an Elite 18 in the SEC. Is, this team's built to win. That's why they keep winning. A couple uh, real quick hitters for you, Gary. You've been more than generous with your time, so thank you so much. You've been more than generous with your ears. I uh, Hey, we, we brought you on to hear it, you. It, it, People want to hear us. It's so, funny. Uh, Every time I do a radio interview or a podcast um, outside of the ones I host, somebody says, not every time, but most times, somebody says, hey, uh, we're sorry to keep you so long. And my response is always, the only reason you kept me so long was because of me. I wouldn't shut up. So uh, I appreciate your ears. No, nah, trust me, Gary. Our, our listeners want to hear from you. Uh, they hear from us plenty. Mm. So you bring a unique perspective and a national perspective that we really appreciate. Uh, real quick hitters, does Kansas State have two All-Americans on their right roster? Now. Yes, right now, yes. If we were voting on it, um, me and Matt Norlander talked about this 
maybe last week, you could I – don't, I don't know that there's a first-team All-American on there, but if you told me right now Keontae's a second-teamer and uh, Marquise is a third, or, or flip it. You know, Marquise is a second-teamer, Keontae's a third, or they're both seconds or they're both thirds. That, that makes sense to me. I mean, I haven't put pen to paper. I'm always hesitant to speak about, you know, is this team in the tournament or not in the tournament? Or is this the guy in All-American? And so you put pen to paper because you know, there's only so many slots available. But I don't think I could fill 15 slots without having both of those guys. Yeah. So the the best record since the Big 12 went to the round robin format in 2011 with the 18 games, the best or the worst record to win the league or at least a share of the league title was 13 and 5. Ken Palm currently projects a four-way tie at 11 and seven to win the big 12. What do you think is the number um, for either for, for a big 12 championship? Is it I'll 12? Put, I'll split the difference. I'll say it's 12. I'll say the, the, whoever gets the big 12 title while recognizing there's a likely scenario that it's a shared title. Um, I think the winner is going to have 12, 12 wins. I think 12 will do it. And that speaks to the, the difficulty of the league, you know, I, I, I guess Texas tech is a place where you can maybe go this season and win without playing well, maybe, but everywhere else in the league, you've got to play. Even if you're good, you have to play well to win on the road. And that's really not true in any other league. Like there are places in the sec. You can go and win. You don't have to play well. Like, like Alabama's terrific. Alabama cannot play well and still win on the road at some places in the sec. Um, Purdue can can not play well and still win at some places on the road in the Big Ten. I don't think good as Kansas State, Kansas, Texas are. I don't think there's maybe more than one place in the league, and that's Texas Tech. And even Texas Tech, I'm assuming, can can get you. So they'll get somebody there. I, I outside of that, you know, like if you're playing obviously at Kansas and Kansas State and Texas, Iowa State, you got to go play. You can't win. You got to go play. But that's also true at Baylor. TCU, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. And that makes it really, really challenging. It, it, it'll take a toll on you. Um, but the thing you have to remind yourself as you're going through it, and I suspect everybody's going to go through it a little bit, is that uh, 12 wins in the league is probably going to get you at least a share of the title of the best league in the country. Now, that, that means you're probably going to take six losses in your league too. That, you know, that's, that's not fun. But – it just speaks to the to the degree of difficulty of playing that Big 12 schedule. Uh, I don't think there's any league schedule like it. Uh, I wanted to ask, Gary, before we let you go, uh, as you mentioned, you've, you've been to K-State before. You've covered the sport for a long time. Uh, who, who is your favorite K-State player or just some memories uh, that, that you have of, of covering K-State in your past? Well, um like the names that just pop out, Jacob Pullen, I, I remember fondly. I, I loved covering him. He was a tremendous college player. The whole Michael Beasley thing was amazing. Uh, like I, I don't think people recognize this as, as as often as they should. I believe I've got the order right. Like Kevin Durant comes in and has this amazing freshman season, sets all these records, and then Mike came in and like broke a lot of his records. Like Michael Beasley was awesome in college, and and. And it is somebody I hold up as an example all the time because then he just became a guy in the NBA and then he's out of the NBA. Right. And that all comes down to, you know, and I've had, you know, professionals, NBA players explain this to me like the once Michael Beasley can't really become anything in that league, despite his undeniable talent, it, it, that just shows you how hard and focused, yeah, how hard you have to work and how focused you have to be to flourish 
in that league. I've had countless people tell me, if you are talented to that degree, you can be a great high school player without ever working. You can be a great college player without ever really working. But once you get to the NBA, it, it's got to be – you have to be focused and you got to put in the work. And my, my point is Michael Beasley is one of the most talented basketball players of the past 20 years. It, it's just the other stuff sort of got in the way a little bit. Um, but, boy, at, at Kansas State, I remember like right from the opening game, he was just statistically incredible and was a part of uh, – I actually don't remember how good that team was, but I, I, I remember it being good, and I remember him being – absolutely incredible. So those are the two that stand out more than anybody else. I mean, I think that's the thing, Gary. I think statistically, and I push back on this a lot, Blake Griffin, Durant, I think Michael Beasley had the best statistical season of any one and done player that, that we've seen. Right. I mean, I I mean, I would, I I would have to go look it up, but I feel like that, that that's probably true. Kevin was got more attention because the shot making was all over the court it's just a different level, like a different, it looked different. Yeah. Whereas Beasley was just a lot of offensive rebounds and putbacks and he just wasn't quite as dynamic. And um, he was, he, he wasn't as dynamic as KD and probably didn't have the impact that say Anthony Davis had at Kentucky, you know, winning a championship and national player of the year award. But just in terms of individual performances, like this guy's going to put up ridiculous box scores every game. I think you could certainly make an argument that we haven't had a one and done as statistically overwhelming as as Michael Beasley was. Like, don't hold me to this or double-check me, but the way I remember it all these years later, and boy, is a lot of years ago, is that Kevin was awesome statistically, and then Michael came in right after him and was even more awesome statistically. That's my recollection of it, at least. And and don't you worry. I am am not bitter that uh, Tyler Hansborough won all the player of the year. Well, like, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have. I think if you go back – God, I, I might just be making things up. <laughs> I feel like I made an argument that like, it's crazy. Tyler Hansborough is the national player, of the year, but Michael Beasley should be the national player of the year because it, a lot of people could make North Carolina. Great. How many people could make Kansas state good? Like that, that it's, it's in that time. It felt like it was harder to make Kansas state good than it was North Carolina. Great. Yeah. Very succinct way to put it. Uh, hey, we appreciate it, Gary. Thank you for taking so much time for us. This has been a blast. Again, check out the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Great place to go to get your college hoops fix. Uh, and check out Gary's work on, on Twitter, CBS. You'll see him on TV, a columnist, uh, all that good stuff. Gary, thank you so much. And, uh, hey, hopefully we'll do it again soon at some point. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy the season. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.